This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Gerald Farrelly. And I'm Neve Kavanagh. And we have been friends for a very long time. And we regularly solve each other's problems. And now we'd like to solve yours in our podcast, Agony Rants. It's a weekly show where we offer you unwavering support. It's true. And it's the place to go if you need a place to vent or to get thoughtful advice. It's a serious lawsuit waiting to happen. Now, Grode, there isn't a problem that can't be helped by having a comedian and a Eurovision winner dissected before your very ears. Agony Rants is 40 minutes with two friends who just want to listen to you. Neve wants to listen. I dip in and out. Agony Rants has a new episode every Monday and you'll find us wherever you do your listening. Hi. Before we get into the podcast today, I'd like to make an announcement. I've officially joined the Headstuff Podcast Network, a network home to a number of excellent podcasts. Now, if you enjoy Something Strange, nothing will change. Something Strange will remain the same, and, as always, it will be completely free. However, as part of joining Headstuff Podcasts, I have now started a second show. It's called Strange Tales and it covers lesser-known tales that cover every aspect of the weird. To listen to Strange Tales, please check out headstuffpodcast.com and please consider becoming a member for as little as €5 a month. Strange Tales is also a bi-monthly podcast, so if you're looking for a weekly helping of all things bizarre, please consider supporting me at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank you for your time, and on with the show. In 1984, a dangerous criminal group would emerge from the shadows in Japan that resulted in arson, attempted poisoning, extortion, kidnapping, and, finally, driving a man to suicide. Shockingly, the group was never found, and this remains one of Japan's most notorious unsolved mysteries. This is Something Strange, Monster with 21 faces. March 18th, 1984, Ashia City, Hyogo Prefecture. Katsuhisa Izaki returned home from work like any other typical day. The 40-year-old was the son of Richi Izaki, owner of Izaki Glyco. Izaki Glyco, also known simply as Glyco, is a multinational food processing company that was founded in 1922. Since the company was founded, they have created various foods, such as baby formula, processed foods, ice cream, and what the company is most known for, the chocolate-covered pretzel sticks called Pocky. Katsuisa had recently assumed control of the company after his father, Richi, had stepped down and all eyes were on him to see where he would steer the company that was now a fixture of Japanese life. At 
At around 9 p.m., two men wearing white ski masks approached the Izaki estate. The estate consisted of two buildings surrounded by a large wall. The men scaled the wall using a stepladder. In one house lived Katsuisa, while in the other was his elderly mother, Yoshi. The intruders, one armed with a pistol and the other with a rifle, first entered the home of Yoshi. Once the two men found her, they subdued her by tying her up with cut telephone line. In Yoshi's home, they located the keys to Katsuisa's residence. The men then moved to the next building. They entered Katsuisa's home using Yoshi's keys and first located his wife, Makaiko, 35, and his eldest daughter, Mariko, 7. Upon confronting Mariko on the stairs, the child became fearful and, strangely, one of the men said, calm down Mariko, as somehow he knew her name. Fearing for the lives of her children, Makaiko offered the masked men money. However, one of the men simply replied, be quiet, money is irrelevant. Both Makaiko and Mariko were also tied up. And, just like with Yoshi, both were tied up with severed phone line. With most of the family tied up and the phone lines cut, the family was virtually alone. No one was coming to their rescue. The men proceeded through the house. Upon entering the bathroom, they came upon Katsuisa bathing his youngest daughter, Yukiko, four, and his son, Etsuro, 11. The men, at last locating their target, lunged at Katsuisa and pulled him from the bath naked. Pushing a rifle into his chest, the masked men allowed him to wrap a tail around himself before escorting him outside and throwing him into the back of a red car that was parked just outside the Izaki estate. The red car drove off into the night, leaving panic, terror and confusion in its wake. Makaiko eventually broke free of the telephone cables that bound her and promptly called the police. The police, fearful of what else could happen after such a high-profile individual was kidnapped, asked journalists to keep the kidnapping secret for now. Shortly after Katsuisa was taken, Fuji Hirotake, director for human resources at Glyco, got a phone call at 1.15 a.m. Answering the phone, he was perplexed to hear what sounded like an audio recording of Katsuisa, instructing him to find a specific telephone box in Makami Takasuki to retrieve some kind of item that was left there. The kidnappers had forced Katsuisa to record a message, telling him that they also had his wife and that they would kill her if he didn't record the message intended for Fuji. At this point, Fuji had no idea 
that Katsuisa had just been kidnapped and decided to follow the direction of the strange phone call. Once he located the telephone box, Fuji discovered a letter hidden between the telephone book directories. The letter read as follows. I am holding a hostage. Prepare one billion yen in cash and a hundred kilograms of gold and put it in a white or ivory light car in front of department head Fuji's house in Takatsuki and leave it there. Put only a skilled driver in at Hokuetsu Road and I will call you on Fuji's home number. You can only let this be known to the bank's manager, company's driver, Kaneko and Fuji. Tell anything to the police. I will definitely kill the hostage. I have friends at the police, Nippon Telegraph and Telephone Public Corporation, and I will know immediately if you try to trace me. We are watching Fuji's house and the company. Prepare a roadmap of the Kanzai, a map of Takatsuki, a blank memo notepad, and something to write with. Don't try trick me with cash or gold. Wireless microphones and wireless radios are pointless. If you use a detective for the driver, we will know. Don't try to trace me, it is pointless. Do not speak, only write. Do not use new banknotes, I won't negotiate, just listen to what I say. Fuji immediately called the police. Katsuisa's family, fearing for his life, agreed to pay the ransom. However, when they arrived at the meeting location with the money, no one was there to take it. Katsuisa was held captive for three days in a warehouse located in Ibaraki, Osaka, which was a mere 30 minutes from his own home. Handcuffed for two days, Katsuisa claims that on the third day, his handcuffs were replaced by rope. Then, that night, after struggling, Katsuisa managed to remove the rope and escape to safety. Once he was safe in police custody, Katsuisa gave some details about his abduction, but ultimately, none of these details he gave led to any persons of interest. However, one piece of information caught the attention of the police, and that was that during his abduction, Katsuisa heard the voice of a very young child speaking to his kidnappers, as if the child himself was in on the abduction. But the escape wasn't the end of the torment of Katsuisa, as a number of weeks later, Glyco vans were set ablaze just outside their main headquarters. Then, two letters were sent to the Japanese police force. To Japanese police fools, are you stupid? There are so many of you, what on earth are you doing? If you are real pros, try catching me. There's too much of a handicap, so I will give you a hint. There are no fellows in the Azaki's relatives. No fellows in Nishinomiya police, no fellows in the flood fighting corps. The car I used is gray, food was bought at Daiei. If you want new info, beg for it in the newspaper. After telling you all this, you should be able to catch me. If you don't, you are tax thieves. Shall I kidnap the head director of the prefectural police? This was followed by another letter claiming that the group would begin injecting and adding cyanide to Glyco products across the city. This led to Glyco resorting to pulling every single one of their products from the shelves across Japan, which almost crippled the company and sent Glyco stock into freefall. 
This letter was also the first time in which the group named themselves as a monster with 21 faces. A direct reference to Fiend with 20 Faces, a character who first appeared in the 1936 novel of the same name. Since the character's inception, he has appeared in books, video games, anime, movies, and TV shows. At this point in the investigation, the police had no luck. Despite looking into some potential suspects that may have had an axe to grind with Glyco, nothing substantial was coming together. The police even looked into Katsuisa himself as faking his own kidnapping. But this would ultimately make no sense once the police saw how Glyco was almost financially ruined by the poisoning threat. But then, a person of interest was found. After a recall of Glyco products, a man was captured on the CCTV of a food store, dubbed the Video Man by police. The black and white VHS footage shows a man in a suit, with black hair and glasses, placing Glyco products onto the shelves, presumably laced with cyanide. However, though the video clearly shows a person who is very likely a member or even the leader of Monster with 21 Faces, the footage is of such bad quality that it never led to an arrest. With the police investigation at a complete standstill, Glyco nearly in ruins and Katsuisa watching his father's company crashing and burning, police received a letter from Monster with 21 Faces. To the surprise of everyone, it seemed that the group had decided to let go of its stranglehold over Glyco and Katsuisa. To our fans throughout Japan, we're satisfied. The president of Glico has already gone around with his head hanging down long enough. We would like to forgive him. In our group, there's a four-year-old kid. Every day he cries for Glico. We also have eaten none for a long time, and we used to eat it all the time. It's a drag to make a kid cry because he's deprived of the candy he loves. So we're also really upset. It would be great if we could forgive Glico so the supermarkets could sell their products again. We have destroyed 18 chocolates that had acid in them. We left one on the 9th of May in the Dei store in Ibaraki Prefecture, but we don't know what happened with it. We went to collect one at a different store on the 18th of May. Japan has gotten terribly hot and humid, so when our work is done, we want to go to Europe, Zurich, Paris, or London. We'll be in one of those places. Police, you did well. Continue with your hard work. Not even Sherlock Holmes could solve this case. If you read The Fiend with 20 Faces, you will learn a lot. Monster with 21 Faces, P.S. I will be back next year in January. However, despite the claim that Monster with 21 Faces would return in January of 1985, by June 22nd of 1984, it had already moved on to its next target, Marudai Foods multinational food processing company known for such products such as sweeteners, rice, kids' snacks, and herbs and spices. Just as with Glyco, Monster with 21 Faces sent a letter to the food company, seeking an amount of money to be dropped off at a set location. Dear Haga, I hope you know about us. 
Your company did so well because of Glico's mishaps. You should give us some of the money you have due to their failures. Don't you feel bad for not giving us any money? Give us 50 million yen with used 10,000 yen bills. Put 10 million yen in each white bag and wait at Oda's house in Nichiyoshidai. Have a company's driver in a white car waiting in front of the house. On Thursday, June 28th at 8 p.m., I will call 0072687 Say it's Yamada. When you pick up the phone, I'll tell you where the letter is. Once you get the call, start moving. Once you read the letter, immediately follow the directions. Ota should wear a white blazer. I won't do anything to Ota. If you can't decide on your own, just talk to Komori, Kudara, and Takano. If you don't listen to what we say and obey us, you'll fall into the same situation as Glico. We know a lot about Fushimi and Yamatecho. If you tell the police, we'll abduct your employees. We're stronger than the police. We have hydrochloric acid, potassium cyanide, dynamite, and guns. I'll let you listen to Katsuhisa's voice while he had been abducted. If you're going to give us money, put this advertisement up on Mainichi and Sankei for the Kinki region on the 26th and 27th of June. Looking for part-timers. Advertisement and salesperson, under age 35, a healthy lady, 500 yen an hour. Transportation fee provided. Contact Marude Food Inc. Personnel Department. Monster with 21 faces. Once Marudai contacted the authorities, seeing that the Glyco case was a complete failure, the police were determined to put an end to the reign of terror. Monster with 21 faces was beginning to exact upon businesses in Japan. Their plan was to send an undercover agent to the drop-off location with the money. All the while, that agent would be tailed by more undercover police officers in various different disguises, such as workman overalls and business suits. Listening to a pre-recorded message sent by Monster with 21 Faces that featured a female voice, the money carrier was directed step by step to the next point of interest. In Takasuki, the money carrier found a letter left by the group. To Yamada. As soon as you read this, move immediately. Take this ticket and go to Takatsuki Station. Take the 819 Kyoto-bound train that stops at every station. It is a yellow train. Get on the second car from the back and sit on the left side marked with the circle. Either circle is fine. Ride the train alone, Yamada. If the seats in the circled area are not available, say that you feel sick and have someone give up their seat. Sit on the side with the tracks and open the window so that you can throw out the bag. Once you see the one meter square white flag, throw the bag out the window. Go to Kyoto, and if there is no flag, then do it again. When you retry, contact me. The plan was set up so that even if the money carrier was a police officer, it didn't matter. By throwing the money from a moving train, the likelihood of capturing the group was essentially impossible, unless police had officers already stationed all along an active train track. Once the undercover agent entered the train, and he neared the drop-off point, backup officers ordered him not to make the drop. After this, the agent took the next train to Kyoto, but deviated from the orders of Monster with 21 Faces by sitting in a different train car than was instructed, in a bid to make the group slip up and reveal themselves. While on the train, 
officers noticed two individuals who were acting suspicious. One of them, known to police simply as Radio Man, was holding some type of radio, actively trying to tune in to a particular frequency. The other individual entered the train at the next stop. Police called him Fox-Eyed Man. He was wearing a suit, had black hair and wore glasses, just like Videotape Man from the CCTV footage. Backup officers claim that as soon as Fox-Eyed Man entered the train, he locked eyes directly onto the money carrier. Then, once at Kyoto Station and still holding the money, the money carrier disembarked the train with Fox-Eyed Man and Radio Man following him. Soon after Radio Man left the train, he broke away from following the money carrier and vanished into the crowd at Kyoto Station. No officers were shadowing him at the time and he was never found. Still following the money carrier and even waiting for him to emerge from a public restroom, the fox-eyed man followed the agent onto another train and they both disembarked at Takasuki Station. Outside Takasuki Station, the money carrier was picked up by another officer in a car, while the backup officers continued to tail Fox-Eyed Man. The suspicious man got onto a train bound for Kyoto, but after leaving the train, the backup officers lost a man in the hustle and bustle. This entire situation was deemed a major failure by police as they went from actively spotting two highly suspicious individuals, following one and losing both. Nothing was gained from this entire operation. After this, and possibly because the group came close to being caught, Monster with 21 Faces did not contact Marudai Foods again. But rather than fade into the shadows, Monster with 21 Faces had other ideas. Now the group had focused their attention on yet another food company. And this time, and this time, it was the glyco competitor, Morin Aga, best known for products such as chocolates and sweets. A letter was sent to the company. To moms throughout Japan, in autumn, when appetites are strong, sweets are really delicious. When you think sweets, no matter what you say, it's Morinaga. We've added some special flavor. The flavor of potassium cyanide is a little bitter. It won't cause tooth decay, so buy the sweets for your kids. We've attached a notice on these bitter sweets that contain poison. We put 20 boxes in stores from Hakata to Tokyo. Monster with 21 faces. More letters of a similar type were sent to the company all of which they reported to the police. Much like with Glyco, this led to Moore and Aga pulling products from their shelves, which directly impacted their profits, as well as their stock price. Then, another food company was targeted, this time, House Foods Corporation. We are the culprits involved in the Glico and Morinaga incidents. If you do not want to become another Glico and Morinaga, put out the cash. If you do not respond, we will poison your products. Monster with 21 faces. Like with previous extortion cases, 
Police set up a sting for Monster with 21 faces during the House Foods Corporation money drop-off. After the previous botched sting going awry and failing to capture both the fox-eyed man and radio man, police were hell-bent on making sure this went smoothly. At the drop-off, two agents spotted fox-eyed man. He was wearing glasses, a cap, and standing in a phone boot. The agents radioed to their superiors and told them that they had the suspicious man in sight. However, shockingly, the superiors of the agents advised they do not capture fox-eyed man, but instead to focus all of their attention on the money drop-off to see who, if anyone, approached the money carrier. No one arrived to pick up the money, and fox-eyed man, once again, vanished. Then, later that night, a police officer in Shiga Prefecture spotted a suspicious man parked in a station wagon. Upon approaching the vehicle, the man got spooked and fled the scene. The station wagon was found abandoned outside a nearby train station. Searching the abandoned vehicle, police discovered various devices for intercepting and listening to police radio frequencies. The Shiga police officer claimed that the man wore glasses and a cap, and he identified him as the fox-eyed man. Beyond a fuzzy CCTV photo of a suspect and an ex-Yakuza suspect that had a watertight alibi, the police investigation was dead in the water. To make matters worse, on three separate occasions, police had the fox-eyed man well within their grasp, but each time, they squandered the opportunity. Then, on August 7, 1985, Shoji Yamamoto, police superintendent of the Shiga Prefecture, sat in his back garden on a late summer evening. He doused himself in kerosene and set himself ablaze. Shoji was allegedly unable to deal with the shame of not capturing the mastermind behind this lengthy campaign of threats and intimidation. However, the response of Monster with 21 Faces to the suicide of the police superintendent wasn't something anyone was expecting. Yamamoto of Shiga Prefecture Police died. How stupid of him. We've got no friends or secret or hiding place in Shiga. It's Yoshino or Shikata who should have died. What have they been doing for as long as one year and five months? Don't let bad guys like us get away with it. There are many more fools who want to copy us. No career Yamamoto died like a man. So we decided to give our condolence. We decided to forget about torturing food-making companies. If anyone blackmails any of the food-making companies, it's not us, but someone copying us. We are bad guys. That means we've got more to do other than bullying companies. It's fun to lead a bad man's life. Monster with 21 Faces. After this, Monster with 21 Faces vanished and was never heard from again. Extortion of multiple multinational corporations, kidnapping, assault, 
arson, attempted poisoning, terrorism, corporate bullying, and driving a man to suicide. With her case yielding no results and not a single suspect to look into, the Japanese police decided to make the case inactive, as despite the heinous crimes committed by Monster with 21 faces, they had exhausted every possible lead. They were completely defeated. The case of Monster with 21 faces raises many, many questions. How did the group know where to access the keys to Katsuisa's home? How did they know the name of his daughter? Why did they change Katsuisa's cuffs to rope as if they wanted him to escape? Who was the fox-eyed man? Why did they solely target food organizations and why, despite letters stating that they were seeking a ransom, did they never seem too interested in acquiring the money? The questions are truly endless, as this is one of Japan's most perplexing mysteries. As of 2023, the case, officially known as Metropolitan Designated Case 114, is inactive and remains unsolved. What were the true motivations behind the criminal masterminds that called themselves Monster with 21 Faces? And will we ever see their return? This has been Something Strange. Thank you for listening to Something Strange. Please consider following Something Strange on Twitter, which is at a strange pod. We're also on both Instagram and TikTok at Something Strange Pod. Or perhaps if you'd like to email me directly, you can contact me at somethingstrangepod at gmail.com. Something Strange is written, produced, and performed by me, Dennis Murphy. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.